Yeah, we used to be such good friends. Could tell each other anything. Guess it helped that we weren't really each other's types. Then one day, out of nowhere, you said, but I didn't hear you, so I was like, what? Who should you so crap? Who? I came in like just like six seconds too soon. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Nooner. Answer it. Welcome to Nooner. I'm a host. My name is Marty. Welcome to Nooner. I'm a host and my name is Cassandra. That's when you say your thing. What thing? Steve. Oh. Oh, are we on? Yeah, yeah, we are on. Is this happening? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Can you count me in? You got to jump in. All right. Hi. Three. Okay, here we go. He didn't see the right, silent yeah, yeah. two one. Okay, three, two. Hi, I'm. Damn it! Fuck. Ca you know what? Feel me in from four. Feel okay. the rhythm. Okay. Four, three. Hi, I'm Steve. Oh shit! shit. <sighs> All right. You know what? Go back to three. Go back to three. Well, it's almost <laughs> time for our union lunch, so you, you gotta get it. <laughs> this is a. Um, a podcast Fucking of sorts. Free podcast. A shtick free podcast <laughs> on the Smodco Internet Radio Network. I um, am grateful to Will Wilkins for getting us on the air. I had some technical issues that I worked through, so we're working on one fewer machine here, so it might be a little bit wonky. Couldn't Where's figure the it out. Third machine. Well, no, uh, this one it, I can't play uh, things from, so I got to jump to the other machine, and I want to play something. Oh, okay. Um, it's just the three of us today. Vivian has allergies. Mickey didn't respond, or maybe he did. Maybe I ignored him. But we got a lot of great user input um, today. So for today's uh, topics, we have a full where's sack. the world's most angriest man? Um, he is getting physical therapy for his uh, shoulder. Um, um, yeah, give a guy he's a little insurance. At a nurse somewhere in downtown Los Angeles. Yeah, exactly. I bet he's being really nice to the nurse. I know, I know, but feeling this inner rage inside, yeah, you know. Sure. Stupid um, Have you seen his little series that he's doing? No. The blue with the puppet? No. On Vimeo? They're like a minute long. It's really, really good. Give him a plug. What is it called? I don't know. Let me find out. You keep okay. talking. So he, um, he's got some health insurance and well he's had health insurance but he he got some surgery thanks obama yeah and now he's he's just milking the system just getting plastic surgery getting uh liposuction and uh shoulder he got surgery butt. he got new knees he's a, now has like a robot shoulder he's having his rage gland enlarged yes yes with with a button so he can be like or with a dial on it just like in uh Judge Dredd. Uh, I don't know if you remember that. And there was a guy with a little. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the series is called Blue. Um, oh, like Joni Mitchell. Yes, it's on Vimeo, and I believe that the the account that it's under is just Blue parentheses Shorts, but they're really nice. I I like them a lot. Is he wearing blue shorts in them? No, 
but he's got it's it's got a puppet it. in it and don't get it uh he's prancing around them looking hella handsome as usual mm-hmm. and um that boy's fine that boy fine um too bad he's ruining his face with plastic surgery i know but his shoulder his robot shoulder is pretty awesome it talks too is that a terminator thing or who's got the arm um or jamie summers <laughs> jamie jamie summers a bionic woman oh okay cool. yeah uh I'm sure everybody would is probably thinking, "Oh, Marty's going to talk about healthcare," but I, 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 I kind of given did. up on it. I know I did, but no, I think, we don't need to talk about. It. I know. I think it's just. I think we're Obamacare is it going to be a thing of the past? I think that for all the people who are saying it's, um, it's, you know, wait, we can wait, you're, it. you're you're talking about it. I know, yeah. I know, but but I'm saying why I'm not talking. Why I, I, I've given up hope. <laughs> why I'm not talking. About I've given up I'm hope uh, on it. A think piece on why I'm not writing think pieces. I mean, there there are some <laughs> senators too. out there who, oh. who who could stop it. You can call them, but Ted I have. Cruz. I have given up hope. I I'm I think we're, we're no fucked. Marty. Don't give a hope. Well, on, on this thing, I think it's going to take a, a Democratic Congress and president for for shit to happen. No, it's going to take the Koch brothers because they oh. want to get rid of they, – they don't want to just kill the poor. They want to I- annihilate them from the planet. Do so the, the bill brothers, isn't strong enough. Do they have anything invested in health care? I feel like if we just – like what if we give them coal but in exchange to like, well, we want to get health care for our coal workers. It's really interesting. They don't do coal. They do natural gas and oil. Of Freakonomics. Oh, I don't know the difference between all the things that are bad. I don't either. <laughs> okay. Freakonomics did a, a two-part interview with uh, Charles Koch. Chuck. Uh, Chuck. Chucky boy. Old Chucky Coke. Yeah. And it's really interesting. Like, you listen to him, and you're like, you're just like a, a 14-year-old nerd who read Ayn Rand and hasn't changed, except no. you have now like $20 more billion dollars. 47. 47, whatever. $47 billion. Wow. And yeah. like you just think, oh, well, you know what? God helps those who help themselves. So I think government should do the same thing. And some of those views of those libertarian ways are just like, okay, that, that makes sense. Like, you know, I think that uh, I, criminal justice is, is completely wrong in our current state. And he has some good ideas about that. He has some good ideas about drug reform. But everything else is just like, you know what? Everyone has the same opportunity, and the more regulation we put in there, the you know the more we're we're giving into cronyism, and not that way at all. And but it's it's so interesting. Like he comes from such a place of privilege and power, inheriting this fortune. He's like a smart Trump. He's he's an intelligent man. Totally, but just living in a weird bubble. He's an engineer. Like he went to MIT. Mm -hmm. He's not. It's it's actually Trump went to Harvard. uh, No, he went to Penn. He went to Didn't Wharton. he go to Harvard? Didn't he go to Business? Oh, to so did George Bush. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or George Bush went to which one? Yale? Yale. Uh, Oof, what kind of yay who goes fucking to Yale? safety school. <laughs> Couldn't get into Brown, huh? Womp womp. I thought Brown was a safety school. That's where my wife went. How dare you? <laughs> no, the table. Affirmative action. Uh, but I did want to talk um, about <laughs> this uh, last week. Uh, you're on about a Lord Miller getting fired? That. Want to unpack that one? Which one? Lord and Miller getting fired. Oh, we'll get to, we'll get to that. Oh, yeah. that's the news of the um, week. Geronimo Yanez or Geronimo Yanez, a, a, a Minnesota police officer who shot Philando mm-hmm. Castile, mm-hmm. who's found not guilty in a court of law. Yes. Um, and for those of you who haven't Did seen the tape. Did they show him the, the Facebook live feed? Did they show him that? I don't. I, I assume they did. 
Uh, you can watch it on, it's readily available. And Castile, who's a 40 something year old man, pillar of the community, his, and yes. his girlfriend uh, in the passenger seat, her daughter, four years old in the rear seat, they're pulled over because of a dead brake light. And then when Yanez approached the driver's side window, Castile informed the officer that he had a gun in his glove compartment and was licensed to carry it. Because he was calm. And at that point, the police officer panicked, pulled out his gun, and shot Castile to death seven times. Um, seven? I believe that's what it is, what it was, yeah. Yeah. And Yanez was found not guilty by a jury of his peers on all counts. Mm-hmm. Okay, what, what wonderful state did this happen in again? Minnesota. Ooh. Oh, Al Franken. And he was fired for this incident, which is crazy, right? Which says something. And mm-hmm. the police department settled uh, on Monday with the Castile family in a civil suit for $3 million. Yes. Yanis felt said that he feared for his life and mm-hmm. uh, killed a man who committed no crime and appeared to be doing his best to avoid any sort of confrontation. Now, I don't know every single fact about this. I wasn't there. I don't know all of police procedure for all that seeming injustice that might have been just completely in line with police procedure. And I, I'm sure that's what the lawyers argued. Uh, yeah, I watched the video. It's real it's upsetting. It's so fucking hard to watch. I, I, I don't was, like to watch people getting shot to death with, for, with a child in the car. That's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really and then, that's fun. You know, but every time I've ever been pulled over by a police officer, and, and maybe it's been like four times in 42 years, I've never felt scared or threatened or worried. And even though I am a person of color and have felt discrimination and racism in small pockets, I, well, that's just on this podcast. That, yes, that, <laughs> this is a small pocket of my life. Uh, I have no idea what it's like to be black in this country. And I, I want to play you a clip from The Daily Show. And you, you probably didn't, well, you, you didn't see it on the show, but they, they record these things, these little bits called in-between shows or something like that. Um, that Interstitials? Yeah, well, it's just like him, uh, Trevor Noah, just talking to the audience and I'm not the hugest Trevor Noah fan. I think he's so smart and he is funny. I just don't uh, enjoy the show as much as I do. But this is, it's a, like a three minute clip. Um, and uh, it's very, very candid. And uh, here, I'm just going to play it. I don't know if, if you can't hear him on the microphone. He's saying, oh my God. Oh, I've only God. lived in the United States for six years. On and off. I lived on the West Coast two and a half years. I've lived on the East Coast now for two and a half years. In that time, I shit you not, Mm. I have been stopped by police. Maybe, I would say going on at least eight to 10 times, I've been stopped by the police, which always blows white people's minds, which I didn't know was like a thing. So like when when someone was talking about it, and then I was like, they said Philando Castile got stopped 49 times. And then I was like, oh yeah. I was like, that's crazy insane. I was like, I've only been stopped like maybe seven, eight times. And then people are like, wait, what? For, but like, for, what do you mean? And where? And how? And, but it's, it's the truth. I've been stopped a shit ton of times. I've been, I've been stopped in rental cars. I've been stopped in my car. I've been stopped in a car with tinted windows, a car with rims, a car with no rims, a car with... I've been stopped in a Tesla. Like a Tesla, people. Like, I don't know what silent crime you think I'm on my way to commit. But I've been stopped in a Tesla. And every time, I've, that's the crazy thing is, I've just accepted it. I go like, oh shit, I get stopped. And my friend, one of my best friends from North Carolina, he works at The Daily Show now, he's always driving with me. And he'll always laugh at me because we're, we're best friends. 
Like whenever I get pulled over, the first thing I do is I throw my arms out the window. And it looks so stupid when you see me. Because like the cop will go, they pull over, and then I pull over. And then as soon as I've come to a dead stop, I just throw my arms out the window. Just because I, like, I would rather have the cop go, you are weird. And then have, every cop that comes to my window, they're like, what the hell are you doing? And then we go from there. Then I'm like, all right, cool. But you saw where my hands are. And then it, it's, it's, it's insane that it's, it's such a normal thing. Like in this situation, the guy said, officer, I have a gun. Here is my woman. Here is my child in the backseat. I have a gun. The officer says, where is the gun? And he says, it is in the glove box. And I have my papers. I have my license. I can show, and the officer says, do the, and he gives him contradictory, you know, in, instructions, and the guy's trying to, and there's a transcript of this, not even like you're making it up. And then what happens? The guy slowly reaches for the thing, and then he's shot. And what's, you know what's sad about it is I feel the problem is oftentimes in America, the conversation gets caught up in racism as it pertains to black and white, but I don't believe that that is the conversation. I honestly don't believe that that is the conversation. I believe that the police force as a whole is trained in such a way that it creates a state racism that is different. It's not a racism like It's a very different thing. You know when people go like, it's racism, and then people go like, I don't know if that cop was racist or not, but the police force themselves. They know this. We've seen countless videos of like a white woman shooting at the cops. And the cops are like, oh, we'll make a plan to get that gun away. Because in their heads, they're going like, yeah, well, come on. She's just, you know what I mean? She's making a mistake. That's what she's doing. She's never, she's not used to crime. Look at her. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then when you flip it in these situations, you realize you're like, there's no way, there's, there's almost no way to not get shot. Every, every single one has an excuse. It was Mike Brown. They said he came to the officer. I understood that story. I was like, we don't know all the details, whatever. And then you go... Uh, Tamir Rice, the little kid, they said, yeah, but he had a gun. He looked young, but he had a gun. You don't know what the gun, okay, fine. So don't have any type of gun. Don't come towards the police officer. But then you get other stories. They go, Trayvon Martin, yeah, but he had a hoodie. Then you're like, all right, the hoodies are fucking scary. I get it. We've all watched Star Wars. I know those things. You don't know (laughs) what's underneath that. I get it. Then they go, Walter Scott, he was running away from, I never understood. He was running away. His back was turned to the officer. He's running away. Where's the threat? No one's threatening from behind. Do you know what I mean? Maybe a Kardashian, but no one else. <laughs> and still, and still. So, I mean, we'll keep talking about it. We'll, we'll keep, you know, as my mom always says, like, she goes like, in, in, in South Africa, we have a phrase, like, Kosa people say like, it's when, it's like a, it's a, it's a phrase that black women in South Africa use because they got so fed up with what was happening. They were like, I won't let this thing break me and I'm fed up with it, but it won't define who I am as a person. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, um, and that's to me uh, is like the, the most interesting piece of that I've heard Trevor Noah do. It's him speaking extemporaneously without a script, without, you know, and just it, it, it captures, I think, what the problem is to, in my eyes. I totally agree with him. And yeah. we've talked about it on the show, uh, how this type of racist, racism is about the institution of police. And, um, and, and, you know, because you look at these cases of violence and then the people will be like, well, that, that officer was black, you know, and he, he was participating in the shooting or, or that, that guy, there are people of color in that police squad. And yet, yet if you look at the actual data and there have been all sorts of studies about this, um, you know, black, um, men 
are three and a half times more likely to be uh, killed by police than white men getting pulled over. Um, th there's uh, like the number of searches um, of, you know, what do they call them? Um, you know, non-consent searches, disproportionately black, and on down the line. And, you know, you can, there are all sorts of arguments. You can look at the data, but you just look at the proportions of black people in, in police, in the, in, or in, in prisons, in the court system, getting arrested. It is all very skewed. And, you know, just the way that, that instantaneous reaction of, oh, there's a crazy black woman, um, with, with a knife. Let's, instead of talking her down, this is, happened in Seattle two weeks ago, they shot her. And she was the one who called the police. And she had a history of mental illness. Wasn't she pregnant? And she was pregnant. Uh, and I just, I think that um, a lot of us, and myself included, live in a, this sort of bubble. I do live in an urban city. Uh, that's, a, that's, I guess, redundant. But I live in a city, a, a very densely populated city, but I'm still insulated from this type of violence and this type of discrimination. Um, and I think it's, it's, we just need to be aware of it and need to be empathetic and listen and, and try to figure out how we can change this. I, I don't know what the answer is, but <clears throat> I just want, it just made me so sad to see that video and to hear Trevor Noah, a person of color who's experienced this type of racism, talk about it. Um, but those, yeah. So, but those twins, how about those cute little Beyonce and, uh, we haven't seen them yet, have we? I was going to say, you, there's pictures of them? No, but in my mind, they're perfect. What do you know? In I my don't mind, know. they're perfect. Probably. Uh, or they look like Jay-Z. Oh. Like Blue does. Aww. Blue's cute, though. Steve, are you there? Yeah, when you, uh, when you played that Trevor Noah clip, I got absolutely no audio, but I got to listen to you guys breathe into the mics for like over five minutes and it really gave me time to reflect on my own thoughts on this very complicated issue. Yeah. Do you want to sh sh share <laughs> those thoughts? That's, that's it. I just reflected. Um, I went, oh, that's what Marty sounds like when he's breathing. <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of a, he is kind of a mouth breather. Yeah, you're a little mouth breather. Breathe through the nose, baby. I know. My, boy, my mother we used to be, she used to say, you look like an idiot. What are you trying, what are you trying to do, catch flies? Oh. Yikes. Connie. Yeah. Um, yeah. It sucks. Yeah. It sucks to be black in America, like real bad. Yeah. Jane said it hurt her heart. Um, cops yeah. are not good right I, now. I, the institution of cops is, is yeah. of American policing is they, not they retrained the uh, cops in Salt Lake City though, and they haven't had any deaths all year. What, what, do you know what the difference was? What they, uh, what they, how they retrained them? Nope, just read the headline. <laughs> Welcome it, to the show. There's, there's a laminated card that you hold in your hand that says "Don't shoot black people." Yeah, there are all sorts of programs. Unless you absolutely have small to. programs out there, but police unions, by and large, are very resistant to change. Mm -hmm. And if you listen to just in, in general, uh, there was a, an article just about uh, domestic violence in the police and how uh, disproportionately police officers are prosecuted and um, arrested for domestic violence is completely minuscule compared to the rest of the population uh, because the police look after their own and usually it happens in their own juris their own uh, jurisdiction, so they know all the police officers arresting them, um, and 
there's this sense of protection, you know, like, oh, he's, he's one of the brothers and, you know, he's a good guy, you know, everybody gets a little angry so often, you know. Gross. Yeah. Uh, Salt Lake City Police Department embraced de-escalation tactics. D- don't read any more than that. Just the headline, please. Well, they haven't killed anyone since 2015. That's fantastic. So it's been over a year and a half. <laughs> over a year and a half. Um, uh, do you think they have a little sign up? They add a, a little number? Over a year and a half since its last <clears throat> fatal officer-involved shooting. 20 months without a death. Um, so. You also realize that Salt Lake City has like three black people. Whatever, dude. No, Salt Lake City's right, got a, right, a rampant uh, juggalo population and <laughs> all kinds of other gangs there. And yeah, people, whoop, whoop. Yeah. <laughs> people dealing in coffee and, uh, you know, like illicit substances like caffeine. People get gnarly after a good ski trip. 3.2 beer. Woo. Oh, it's just, woof. It is ugly there. Uh, the point is. Yes. No, no, you're absolutely right. They're and doing it's like, what they're supposed to do. Right. Right. And and maybe more places will do it. Yeah. And, you maybe. know, we have great uh, police people like Officer Ray, who listens to the show. Detective Ray, I'm sorry. Um, and who's a, an, an African-American police detective in North Carolina in a predominantly white na- neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I I want cops like him. Like he, He's a smart guy. He's told us great stories about what he has to deal with. And... We just want more people like that and not, and it does make, it's really, it's really hard to, you know, to do this comedy podcast after talking about this, but it, it just breaks my heart. And what kind of podcast is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, It's a podcast. Uh, It is a podcast of sorts. It's a conversation. It's a conversation. Please join in. We're at Nooner, uh, Nooner podcast on Twitter, Noonerpodcast at gmail.com. When you're done. Yeah. And um, <laughs> noonerpodcast.tumblr.com or noonerpodcast.com. Go I on. Go on. thought of uh, Steve Kruger yesterday because I was watching the documentary Get Me Roger Stone uh-huh. um, on Netflix. And uh, Alex Jones was all over that thing. And... Um, that was just, I thought about that because we were like, what kind of podcast? I was like, what kind of podcast does that fucking psycho have? Yeah. Um, I need things to talk about. Get me Kruger on the phone. I am sick of this shit. Um, and uh, yeah, if you haven't watched that documentary, I think it just came out on Netflix. Uh, Get me Roger Stone. Did it make you mad? Fuck yeah, it did. But it also kind of explained a lot. It was like almost comforting. It's it, it's like learning math. Like, oh, I see how we got X. Oh, this guy, he's also really charming. Roger which Stone? I found. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, that's, there's, uh, there was one guy from the Daily Beast who's like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't like to interview him. I don't want to interview him because he's very charming. But right. he also like revels in hatred and fucking <laughs> loves the fact that everyone hates him because all that matter, all that he cares about is being famous. Right. And it's pretty, uh, it was pretty crazy documentary. It was pretty. Reminds me of a president I know. Yeah. Well, that's probably why they got along so well, but it was just like a fucking crazy documentary and it was so annoying. And I don't know, this is the first time that I watched, um, footage from the election since the election and it felt so gross to watch because I just remember it all came back. So is, would you say that he's just this this um, sort of misanthrope like who likes to stir up trouble? Or do you think he's driven by ideology, Roger Stone? 
I think that he's driven by ideology, but um, I well, think for the for the listeners, why don't you contextualize him? Like, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Who's, who's Roger Stone? Old white dude. Oh, white. Old white dude. Roger Stone. What does he have a tattoo of? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> and right. where is it? Roger Stone it? has a tattoo of uh, Richard Nixon's face in the middle of his back, and <laughs> no, he's a. He's an old white guy who's been um, a political strategist Strategist? from like since age 19. He was he was part of the Watergate scandal at age 19. And he was like, oh, that was really cool. And um, he pretty much is the creator of the attack ad and um, the creator of giant super PACs working on behalf of candidates without directly giving candidates money because they're not allowed to. So he orchestrated all uh, like so much of the shit about Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton being a rapist and Hillary Clinton being a criminal. Like that was all him. He got Nixon or he worked with Nixon. He got helped get Reagan elected. Um, then he had a scandal of his own. What was Bob his- Dole? Oh, when he was trying to elect Bob Dole, who he didn't really like that much anyways, then there was like all this stuff about how he was like a swinger and him and his wife were like looking for people and online to fuck. So he's a piece of shit. Like, like Well, it's not. No, I mean, whatever. You're not a piece of shit if you want to have sex with other people. Oh, I thought he was accusing somebody, uh, Bob Dole of doing that. No, 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 no. But oh. Bob Dole was like a candidate who was like relying on the evangelical vote. And then his campaign manager, meanwhile, was like him and his wife were swingers and so oh. they ended up getting taken off that campaign. But he did a bunch of like crazy shit. Like they were talking about how one of the reasons that um what's his face? That George Bush senior or who ran against Bill Clinton in ninety six no in uh ninety two? Ninety two is Bob no. Who's yeah, yeah, no. George W. Bush or, or George H. W. Bush was a one-term president. Yeah, well, um, and he lost to Bill Clinton, and then it was yeah. Bob Dole in ninety. Yeah, in ninety six. Yeah, okay. So yeah. there was a thing called the Reform Party, which was a third party. Mm-hmm. Ross Perot. Ross Perot, mm-hmm. and they were talking about how Ross Perot basically cost the Bob Dole the election, and that whoever the free or the Reform Party was before cost George Bush his second term. Because there was like there was Republicans who were voting third party, right, right? So they were talking about how he Ralph Nader, Jill Stein, <clears throat> for real. But they were talking about how he did that shit on purpose, and he started like, you know, encouraging these bad candidates to run for the third party, including Donald Trump, um, in order to like discredit the third that third party and get people to vote Republican again. And the, they think that he contributed big time to. George W. Bush. That they're like, it had Roger Stone not done what he did, we might have had a President Gore. Right. He just he sounds like um a just this Machiavellian, like just that's what he calls himself. He calls himself. He's like, and he gets off on that. Whereas and and it's interesting, like comparing that to to the Koch brothers, who I think really believe that they're changing the world for the better. Which is I don't know. After watching this, there are so many self-aware evil people. Um, I'd love to see a documentary like this made about the Democrats so that I can come out and try to sound equal. But um, it seems like there are a lot of actively evil people working 
for the Republican Party right now and like just like totally digging it. And yeah, I understand Elizabeth Warren sometimes has like two desserts, you know, like she's evil. Right. Um, yeah. Fucking Pocahontas. Yeah, you, yeah can't, exactly. you can't do that when you're a woman. Yeah. You can't have two desserts. That's, yeah, that's exactly. gross. It's, it's wrong. Um, How's she going to keep her man? Um, hello. Yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, it's pretty gnarly. And he, and he basically like, he has been grooming Donald Trump since the eighties to run and it was it was weird it was like watching everything come full circle because he was the one who kind of poisoned these politics to making them so like gritty and nasty in the first place and then when he himself got like ousted from it because of his own scandal Mm -hmm. it almost like he had like a a bone to pick of it where he was like he went from being anti-establishment to establishment to anti-establishment again and like it was almost like he was bitter about getting kicked off of Bob Dole's thing. And he, they were the ones who created like lobbying firms to be the way that they are, where like they helped these presidents get elected. Like they helped Reagan get elected by lobbying for him, but they lobbied for him so much that once Reagan was in the white house, like they would be taking money from like foreign dictators and shit like that in order to give these foreign dictators access to Reagan like they basically ran the whole fucking show. Yeah, they are the reason that lobbyists are considered a fourth branch of government. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it, uh, a it's a he's a fascinating character, and the the president and doesn't really run the country. It's people like Roger Stone. I mean, I'm not being mm-hmm. a conspiratorialist. No, and it's but just it's it, he's true. Yeah, it's true. yeah. So it's it's fascinating to to hang out with him for two hours and see. Oh, oh, that's how it all works. Right. Oh, did you probably have you met him? No, 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 no. I just I watched the the film and was oh, like, yeah, you huh, saw. Okay, that, yeah. Um, yeah, there's <laughs> also like only and only a dude like that. I feel like so. I remember watching it and be like, wow, he's doing a documentary that is like very honest about him and not friendly towards him, but he's doing it himself. It's like, well, of course he is. He doesn't give a shit. He likes it. If people are interested in understanding about lobbying, and we'll move on past this, but. Uh, Planet Money did a pretty fascinating um, story about it in the, the NPR podcast in January of 2012, where they basically track, um, I, I think it was that one. What a but, naive time. Yeah. Uh, but they track how like a couple million dollars invested in lobbying can result into billions of dollars of legislation for a particular industry. So it, it is just a, a poisonous system. And it's it's just sickening when you hear how how easily this stuff gets manipulated but um i mean like i I agree with you like emotionally but aside from police shooting everybody i like i walk around and like gas is cheap and the stock market is up and unemployment is down and yeah it's awful that corporations influence government but isn't isn't shit pretty good right now You've been in Texas for too long. Yeah. I, yeah, I got to get out. Shit is, is <laughs> uh, just because gas is Would you want to be and, alive at another oh, no, no, time no. in history? You're absolutely right. Like, we whoa, are, whoa, what? We are living in wow. a time where, you know, you have fast internet. I'm not saying porn, it couldn't be better. Cheap gas. You've got basic good health care. You, you guys ever worry about where you're going to get food? Right. Like, you can. Yes, because all the restaurants in Burbank fucking suck. Oh, uh, Jesus. 
<laughs> Where are we going to oh go? God. I don't want to eat all this corporate bullshit. Yeah, I want some BJ's. small plates and Edison bowls and reclaimed wood. None of this shit is farm to table. None of them Ugh. have good craft beers. Uh, BJ's, hello. Oh <laughs> God, I'd rather die than eat at a BJ's. <laughs> BJ's. Um, yeah. So if I wanted to eat frozen food, I'd go pick up something from the frozen food section in Whole Foods. But Whole Foods, Amazon. At the same time, Steve, that no, that gas is I'm cheap, just... there there are things that we just ignore, and it because things are easy, it's easy to ignore things like climate change and to just ignore things like uh, systemic racism in police departments when you live in a predominantly white suburbia. Um, I just and, think it's annoying that fucking old white buttholes like that guy are the ones who are running the show. Well, that's all that bothers me. I, so the. I know a lot of people don't like it when we talk about politics all the time, but this is why we do it. And all right, my bad. No, no, it is why we do it because we want we want these discussions to keep going on, and so that change can happen, and that we think about them, you know, and and act on them in the voting booth, and and you know, engage other people in our community with the this sort of talk, and that's that's what we're doing. So, but uh, more importantly, change the subject. Steve was. Just brought up just like uh, just something that just rocked the world. When uh, do you want when Phil Lord and Christopher Miller got fired, fired off the Han Solo prequel that was being filmed in uh, since January in England. Um, they this moved their Star families Wars, there. Star Wars stuff? Yeah, this is Star Wars. All and, right. and they got fired, and the uh, the place exploded. So, uh, do you know know all the details of that, Steve? Well, they had shot like half the movie, and they were they had shut down production, and um, I guess they had creative differences, which I think means Disney said, "Why are they improving?" You know, and you have like Donald Glover, Woody Harrelson, all these this great talent, and I think Disney's a little buttoned up, and they said, uh, uh, "We'll find someone else." Well, to give you an idea of who these people are, they, these are the people that started out in animation as writers, and they f- hit it big. Their uh, writing team, they with uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, uh, which made a zillion dollars, and then also hit it big with the Lego Movie as their as their other big directorial uh, thing, and uh, the Twenty One and Twenty Two Jump Street movies. Uh, so these are wacky guys, and if you've seen the the all those movies you you can feel there's a, a sort of lightness and improvisational quality to those movies and they're goofy they they're executive producers on uh on what's that one uh last man on earth which is one of the the most absurd i, I love the show but it's such a silly silly show so is that is it any surprise that when you hire them to do your uh your um Star Wars movie that they're going to bring that same. Why would you hire them otherwise if not for that sensibility? Did they? They didn't direct the last one, did they? The last no, the last one. Uh, I mean, Rogue One. Yeah. No, that was directed by this guy. Uh, the guy who did uh, what's his name? It begins with an E. Oh, everybody's yelling at me. Um, Godzilla. Uh, he directed. Yeah, did he direct Godzilla? Oh, that was such yeah. a dull movie. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, I thought Rogue One was kind of dull. Yeah, and he did this one called Monster, uh, what, Monsters, something like that. I don't know. But uh, What I want to know is, why not a woman? Why not throw Patty Jenkins in there? 
and have her direct Gareth. Gareth, I know some sort of English uh, name. Yeah. Um, and they they throw fired, a gal in there. Why not? They fired Gareth Edwards uh, at, in uh, during post production and brought Tony Gilroy, who wrote the screenplay, to direct uh, reshoots. Yeah. And I think uh, yes, what you're saying makes perfect sense. Um, as, and the, here's the thing: is that the Star Wars and every Disney product is a product. It's part of a a huge corporate conglomerate of which there are like rules and guidelines that people adhere to. And so, you know, you can't have um, a goatee as a, if you work at Disneyland, you know, you can have a mustache, but not a beard. Uh, like you're adhering to very strict aesthetic uh, world. So it, it it's not like they're bringing on auteurs. I mean, they are bringing on auteurs, but they're bringing them to work within a certain uh, guideline. And um, I guess Larry Kazan, who wrote the screenplay for the um, uh, the Han Solo movie, was was upset that there were so few takes that were because he he demanded that they shoot it line by line, you know, word for word, his screenplay, and he was upset that there were only a couple takes for each each line that was said and there was all this, all this improv crap and he didn't think that there was enough stuff for the um the editors to work with so to like, stay is, within his word for word or something or i think that's i don't know i haven't seen it but i think that it, he was on he hired them on the understanding that they would shoot his exact screenplay which is very old school kind of i, I don't know but it's it's not in the sort of new way that people like uh, the the you know Miller and what's his name, uh, Lord Lord, do their do their best work. Mm-hmm. So it would be. Well, oh, finally, Ron Howard caught a break. Oh, how, what do you mean? He's striking the movie. What? So yeah. he's he's taking the reins. He's he flew yeah. out. Why this wouldn't week. they just ask him in the first place? <clears throat> um, Seems like he'd be a little bit more in demand than these two jokers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what would? What woman director would you have brought on? Any woman. Yeah. What, what, there, no woman has directed any of the Star Wars movies. Um, Bring on Sofia Coppola. Make it kind of weird. Uh, I'm just kidding. Yeah, it, it was interesting that they, the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street series, the, the fourth one, was directed by a, a woman. And you know her career, like she got her next movie after that, like years and years after. Um, and meanwhile, people like, uh, Rennie Harlan, who did number three, he, he got huge movies after that. Now he's doing direct video stuff, but I um, think it's changing. I think that'll, that's yeah, changing. no, no. But she said that it's because she felt that it was, that it was a racist, uh, I'm not a racist, a sexist, sexist, um, motivation behind that. Um, and I think that is changing because Wonder Woman. But why? Why? Did, why do they not hire women directors as much? The same reason why they it took them forever to hire a black director for the same reason they hire who they know. They yeah, and it's a sexist. And they know business. each other. And basically, every business is sexist. Like, why are there aren't there more fem- women in in Congress? You know, it these things take a long time to change, and it takes something like Wonder Woman being like wildly popular to to change people's minds because ultimately these people are like, Oh, I guess it doesn't matter if we just want to make a shitload of money. And same with get out. Um, Black director. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that 
guy must be because I all those guys have like participation in in the profits. He must be rolling in it. Yeah, he's doing okay. Um, I I'm reading a book right now. It was written by a former Obama like right hand woman, um, and she was talking about. And I was listening to this. I was like, man. This book is very much, she didn't give a fuck. Um, by Lauren Euler. Um, no, no, no. Alyssa, Ma- who, Alyssa Mastro Monaco, whatever, who's wrote it. But she was talking about how there was no tampons in the White House, like at all. And mo- because there's so little. We like it that way. There's like no women who, there's barely any women who work in the White House and those who do are usually in menopause. There's like maybe like four, there's like four women in the White House in 2009 who were still on their period and there's only like three bathrooms in the entire White House for women. And it was kind of like that's those scenes from Hidden Figures where like they're running across the whole, you know, place because there's not bathrooms for colored women. That's their words, not mine. Um, and uh, so finally she had to demand a tampon dispenser in the White House. Um, and they were like, oh, yeah, of course. We just never thought about it. She's like, Ugh. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Uh, I, I, have my, I have my data wrong, I think, on that uh, Nightmare on Elm Street stuff. I'm trying to figure that out. But, um, and, and Rennie Harlan did the fourth one. Fake sure news? Are, yeah, fake Who news. cares about that? I want, I'm fascinated with tampons in the White House. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go on. Apparently, it's really hard to get in and out of that place. So if you need to go across the street to the CVS to get tampons, most people are too busy to do it. <laughs> I guess Madeline Albright probably wasn't still making eggs. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Mm. Um, that's yeah, that's interesting. Darren Never says, thought about it. What does the writer of Empire Strikes Back slash Return of the Jedi know about Star Wars films? He's re- referring to Lawrence Kasdan. Um, he is... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's where the empire comes from, uh, the, the Star Wars empire, as it were, no pun intended. Um, but, yeah, so I, I don't have a problem. But I, with I, it. I felt like after seeing Rogue One, they need to lighten up a little bit. It wasn't fun. Uh, I, I really like the movie, but you're right. It wasn't fun. They were, I don't remember anybody's name. It was like it was like a war movie, and I think Lord Miller would have put the right kind of spin on it, but, you know. Yeah, I think they would have. I think that you could probably get other comedy directors, maybe um, a woman, uh, to direct it and still work within that universe so it doesn't feel disjointed as you go from there to Rogue One. Are they to supposed Star to be Wars. funny? Uh, I think that that's the. That is. Yeah. Funny's not the right word. They're, they're just light and fun. They're yeah. like pure. George Lucas set out to make a pure piece of entertainment. Right. And that Rogue One got real preachy and, you know, like... I don't think anybody ever said, you know, George, you're a funny guy uh, to George Lucas. But but they, yeah, I think light is good and and adventurous. But no, I I really liked um, the, I liked, uh, what do you call it, Um, Rogue One, though. You didn't like it? It was fine. Just, it it, it was a little kind of one, it was like a little flat for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just I have watched uh, the the new Star Wars a bunch of times, but I've only watched Rogue One once. Yeah, yeah, it it is a it is a bummer. Um, you know what I did watch uh, recently? A, a few scenes from it's been years. Behind the Candelabra. Mm. Oh my effing g! 
Give us a wow. give us a taste. Oh, it's just so good. Just every I, I want to live in that world. I want to just take my spirit and put. I, I want to be there. Michael Douglas or I, Matt Damon. Just I, I want to be the houseboy that serves pigs in a blanket to them in the beginning, and I just I want to sort of mince about that house and just kind of be a fly on the wall. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> I want to live in that movie. That it, it is one of the gayest films I've ever seen. Yeah. And it's fa- fascinating to me that there was no gay people in the creative seats. Mm. Can you give me give us a little bit of your of your? Um, the I'm not doing impressions anymore. Oh come on! Why do you think people no. listen to you? People don't want to hear, hear about your ideas. Jesus, God, I'm not a opinions. I'm not a clown. Okay, come on, dance, monkey, dance. No, I don't. I, I've turned over a new leaf. No more uh, imp- impressions of your mom. No more. Saying when you're full. No more. It's done. I'm sorry. Saying what? When you're full. Oh, Scott. Ah, oh, there it is. Mm. Um, Baby boy. Can you? Th- are there <laughs> movies that have had directors replaced that you can think of that, um, that were better for it, do you think? The Island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> Ah, originally it was what John Frankenheimer or something like that. Uh, originally it was crazy guy with the hat. Uh, um, it was uh, Richard Stanley originally, yeah, yeah. and then Frankenheimer came in. <coughs> That's a good one. Uh, you know, Ratatouille was had went through several directors, but again, that's within the world of Disney and like and Pixar, and that has very strict guidelines. Um. Steve, can you think of any? American History X, basically Tony K got fired from it. Um, oh, yeah. And um, weird. I think Doug Lyman got fired off of uh, the first uh, Bourne movie. Oh, really? Like but at the end. He I still got they, the credit, yeah. Yeah, but like they're like, thank you, and then they re-edit it with someone else. But that, that's pretty common. I mean, it's... Yeah, it, it it's is, a, especially with big studio movies. It doesn't happen to like, you know, it's never going to happen to a... A Duplass brother? Yeah, exactly. They're just be like, they replaced one Duplass brother with the other. Yeah, God, it's like they uh, fired Mark, yeah. and now they have Jay. Yeah. Hey, Jay, I'm going to be taking over for Mark. Yeah, this is as usual. Okay, but then it's like two days later. They started on Monday. It's what Friday, and it's a wrap. Yeah, movie's done. Yeah. <clears throat> Good for those guys. Let's give it a hand for Sarah Paulson. Is she? A- mainstay of their sh- movies she was in the one that i can think of right off the oh. top of my head um richard donner came in to uh replace oh no he was fired off of uh he directed superman one was fired off of superman two mm. um, well, i understand all those movies are bad how superman dare one. you as spartacus kirk douglas had the original director fired and um yeah after that hack finished it yeah, that hack. Stanny, Stan, Stanley. Um, I know more stories of, of like actors being fired off of movies. Like that's that was a that was a Kubrick thing, and definitely it was like a Woody Allen thing. He would like shoot half a movie and then recast. Really? Yeah, I, I didn't know that. A little inside baseball. I'm gonna do some major name dropping, but uh, when uh-huh. I worked for Mr. Gary Oldman, mm. do you remember the you Sean for Gary Penn Oldman? Movie? I did not know that. Yeah, Indian I know. Art. I mentioned every fucking week the movie where he plays the guitar player, the jazz player. I don't know what it's called. Sweet and Low Down. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. They had shot the movie; it was done, and they were like, he just didn't like it and was going to hire Oldman at, in the lead and reshoot the movie. I was like, but how do you? What? 
Like that's that's and, cost prohibitive. And then they did it. And then they said, I think the producer said, no, we're, we, we got it. We're fine. Well, I guess there was some concern over Alden Ehrenreich, who plays, uh, who plays Han Solo, about his acting ability. And they brought an acting coach on set, according to the rumors. Uh, hmm. And, you know, you he's... You get to get cast and then they give you an acting coach? I don't understand it's this very, shit. It's very, very rare. Yeah, it's not like he has any acting chops. It's not like he worked for the Coen brothers or did um, worked with Woody Allen or anything like that, you know? Um, but I, I'm looking, I'm still looking forward to it because I know as a sort of piece of corporate media, like fun, I'm going to probably enjoy that movie. I like that Donald Glover, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. yeah, it should be good. Uh, so, and I think that, um, Lord and Miller, they are not, they, it sounded like that they were not that upset about it, or I'm sure they might've been upset, but publicly at least, um, Bill, who, uh, was so, um, you know, sad he couldn't make the show he did offer that he has a story about that but um thanks for nothing bill because he didn't tell us what that story is we'll hear it next week yeah if yeah yeah so did you see rogue one have you seen any star wars movie (laughs) no not yet you still have not seen any star wars no i got the dvd of the first one in my house though have you seen any indiana jones movies Mm, uh, when i was younger i believe i caught one of those have you seen jaws no um, I've done the Universal Studios ride. Though. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. cool! Cool, Is that a Jaws ride? No, he's just on the tour. Um, have you seen Gone with the Wind? Yes. Have you seen Home Alone? Yes. Okay, I'm just thinking of the biggest movies. Have you seen Avatar? You haven't seen Avatar. I've seen Avatar. Oh. Did you? I enjoy started it? watching movies recently. All right. <laughs> in the All past right. few years, okay. it's just my childhood that was robbed of this. I see. But you were like, how old were you when Avatar came out? Uh. I don't know. When did Avatar come out? That was like the biggest movie in the world when it came out. Oh, yeah. I, I guess it was. Uh, Michael Benhock said he said he watched Rogue One on Sunday again. Remembering uh, when watching it in the theater, I shed some tears when Donnie Yen's character died. Wow. Uh, yeah. Spoiler alert. Uh, well, I mean, hey. Well, you can't say spoiler alert after the spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just did. Uh, Spoiler post alert. And for those of you listening to this podcast backwards. No, I'll tell you, everyone dies in that fucking movie. Whoa. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um but no two thousand nine is when Avatar came out. Okay. So somebody tweeted in that they would uh watch Lexi Alexander direct any movie. I think that was Tyson Tyson who said that. Uh she directed Green Street Hooligans and um uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Why no women? What's up, Disney? Well, she also directed Punisher Warzone. Yeah. Which I think my friends wrote. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and it was not supposed to be very good. Um, <clears throat> are there any women directors that you really like, Steve? Uh, I don't know that many because there aren't that many. I mean, yeah. you know, there's like the old guard, like the Penny Marshalls and the Catherine Bigelows. Uh-huh. Um, but I just keep watching these like low, lower budget horror movies, like whoever or thrillers, like whoever directed The Invitation. It was great. Karen Kusama, is that her name? Yeah, she directed Eon Flux, which is unwatchable. Huh. Well, that one was great, and I was like, oh, right. this That's is cool. this is a I'm on the edge of my seat. Uh, What's it called? The Invitation. Yeah, and it's a horror movie. 
No, it's a, it's it's a, a thriller. thriller. Sort. It's a sort of a tense thriller. Jump scares? Um, not really. Like it's uncomfortable tension. A guy is invited to uh, his ex-wife's house where there's like a party where they've gathered all old friends and, and it's up just, in the hills. And, and just leave it there. Oh, that's awkward. Is it on Netflix? Yeah. Fantastic. Um, and so what happens now? Oh, Marty, you weren't going to spoil it? Uh, no, I was going to. I was going to then, spoil uh, it, and then spoilers, and then then offer a spoiler alert. Spoiler. Uh, uh, Glennie Headley just died. Oh, that's so sad. Who? Glennie, Who? Glennie Headley is that? Oh. Uh, she was in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, according to T. Oh, that, I guess it happened earlier this month. I didn't even hear about this. Oh no! For oh. some reason, I thought you said Lena Head- Headley from Lena Game Heedy. of Thrones, yeah. Lena Headey or whatever. Uh, and I was like, what? Oh no! What are we gonna do? <laughs> um, There's still so much. The bigger. woman Jennifer Kent, who directed The Babadook, I think she, that was an excellent movie. Oh, that was good. Yeah, it was really good. And the gay icon. The what? The Babadook. Is the gays a gay love icon, the Babadook for some reason. Oh really? Why? I, s- I don't. I think it happened as a as a joke or something. Like, but then like actual like film students started really analyzing. The Babadook and realizing that he really could be a gay man. Okay. And so now the Babadook, like, if you Google Babadook gay, he's a gay icon now. People fucking. Yeah, they, like at pride parades, people dress up as him. Yeah. And it's like a thing. That's so interesting. I, I have no idea how these, these, these memes happen. But I like that women are directing genre movies. You know, I like that, uh, you know. They're not just given, you know, kind of weepy, romantic stuff. Like, they they can do... Catherine Bigelow could direct thrillers. Like, she can direct action, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, Be- better than Rennie Harlan. And there's the the Anna Lily Amarpour, who directed A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Oh, that was good. Uh, she has a new movie coming out uh, that is called... Uh, what do you call it? Uh, the Bad Batch... I guess it's it might already be be back, but it's be out. So I guess I do know a lot of film. I've seen a lot of films directed by women. I just don't know their names because right. I guess direct directors aren't stars anymore. Yeah, I don't, I don't like. I'm trying to think of like it, what women directors I know, and then I'm like, what male directors do I know? Like I don't. I'm not one to know. Randy Harlan. Well, yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> now I know him, and I know Patty Jenkins, but. I didn't even know that Wonder Woman was directed by a woman until the credits, and I was like, "Yeah, and that, yes." That is, yeah, I think you, that's that should be like a five-minute graphic at the top of the movie. This was made by a woman. Just let it sit there. Yeah. <laughs> Don't right. bury like the, the lead. Like the watermark. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at the end of every scene, there's just a graphic that that scene was right. directed at, and by after a woman. like the big beach fight scene. Like something uh, comes up and, and he goes, "Not bad for a chick, eh?" Yeah, like are <laughs> Not you bad fucking for a gal. kidding me? The, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 camera just pans over to two old men in a balcony, like Waldorf and Statler, and they're like, "Well, not bad for a game." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we're hey, I'm cueing you. Uh, it's the top of the hour, and you're listening to the Nooner Podcast on the Smodcast Radio. Well, cut me off. And I pointed to you as I said, I'm cueing you. Yeah. Right really, into the microphone. You were just clicking. So I was adding the invitation to my list on Netflix. Okay. Well, why are you so interested in horror films? What? 
you emailed and said horror films. Oh, I'm just working on uh, different places. Uh, well, because I'm 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 working on a little horror film of my own, uh-huh. but it's a horror comedy, and uh, I got the comedy stuff down packed. But uh, hor- we'll, we'll, mm, yeah. we'll be the judge. Yeah. But the yeah. but the horror film is uh, it's just different for me. So I'm starting to watch a bunch of them and get ideas and what which ones have sort of resonated with you that you've seen recently uh well american psycho is one of my favorite movies in the whole world so that not a horror movie i know but Mm. well see what defines a horror movie not that it doesn't have christian bale in it we're talking about huey lewis yeah but he killed i don't know i don't know i don't know what i don't don't think horror is really a genre Uh, okay it's like a marketing term like there there's a i mean is Alien uh, a science fiction movie or is it a horror? Is it a monster in the house? Right, like, right. So no, and I, I think I that, that's why we get into these definitions of like the, and these subgenres. There's slasher films, there's ghost stories, there's yeah. supernatural ones. What's the difference between supernatural and a ghost story? Like, you know, one is like the others is a, definitely a ghost story, but then you look at something like, um, like the conjuring which is like violent and gory and is that's is that supernatural is that a ghost story um and then zombie movies where do they are they necessarily horror movies is is uh cabin what in is the it? woods in cabin in the woods is that really a horror movie or is it a meta horror movie well then i guess why'd you ask no no i <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, which which ones that you've watched recently? All right, so I'm looking in more of the slasher genre. <clears throat> okay, okay. So, so I watched American Psycho. Okay, and also for the first time ever, I watched Scream, and I thought it was really funny and good. It is funny, yeah, and you, good. And good. Did you see Tucker and Dale versus Evil? Mm-mm. That's a funny slasher slasher movie. movie. Okay. It's not. It's sort of an anti slasher movie, but it's very funny. Um, I'll add it to my list. It's got Tudic. If it's got Tudic, I'm in. Um, and then, uh, I don't know. I'm just kind of like really looking at movies that have the jump scares. So no, like Paranormal Activity is good at that. Uh-huh. And um, what's the other one? What's the one that scared the shit out of me? Um, Bagul was the was the ghost in that one. What is it called? Uh, sinister. Just, oh, Sinister. Oh. That scared the shit out of me. Yeah, those those James Wan movies didn't wasn't he involved in that somehow? Uh-huh. Um, he's his stuff it's is a good. scary fucking movie though. Uh, yeah, did you see The Conjuring? Um, no, that's I'm saving that one because my friend is in it, and so who's I, your friend? Um, I don't know what she plays, but oh. her name is Haley McFarland. Is that uh, her last name? I don't know. I don't know. Her name's Haley though. I should find out her last name. <laughs> um. But uh, so I want to watch that one. Um, but everyone keeps telling me how scary I am. it is. So I'm just like nervous about it. Um, it is. It is really good. And and Insidious is also pretty good too. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. Haley McFarland. What was the one that you just told me to watch? Slashman. Oh, Tucker versus Tucker, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yeah, it, it's very light. I I think. You, is. What is one that has scared you like in the past, like? Like, what is the scariest one that you can think of that was... Paranormal Activity scared the shit out of me. Right. Um, I'm, I don't, I don't like ghosties. Ghosties are scary. Ghosties feel realistic to me. Um. And slasher films don't? No. Is that weird? It is a little weird. What's, uh, I saw this one, um. Because you'll hear about people, serial killers, but you don't hear about serial ghost killers. Totally. 
Um, well, I think what's scarier is in ghost movies, people, you're trying to tell people that there's something there and they don't believe you. Mm-hmm. Oh, Where right. When it's just somebody, people getting stabbed, they just get stabbed and then they die and another person gets stabbed. But it's that like your peers don't believe what you're saying. Like there's something here and they're like, there's nothing, you know, go check. And the, someone goes and checks. There's nothing there. I think that's. And it can like more fall. upsetting. It's like like that. No one can help you with like a ghost. You know, like you have to start resorting to you know like it's torture. Like it's, a, yeah. a slasher just kills you and you're dead. But right, a ghost right, right. torments you. Yeah, right. torment and torture are two different things. I think you can't sleep in a yeah. house with ghosts. Right, but you I, have to. And the I think the problem is in in a movie like. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, like the ghost is so powerful, you have no nothing against you, you have nothing to fight it with, really. Mm-hmm. And so they make up all this bullshit stuff. Uh, and the best ones are are ones where like there's ambiguity and and uh, and sort of mystery and and that sense that that maybe something can be done. Um, I, I think of uh, something like Don't Look Now. Have you seen that one? I don't know. It's with. Uh, it takes place in Venice with uh, Donald Sutherland, Julie Christie. I haven't seen that one. It's one of the. It's it's you've seen it, right, Steve? Steve. Oh, I guess we lost Steve. Oops. No, no, I'm here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny trick. So, so, what have you seen that movie? No. Oh, it's excellent. It is. It is just terrifying, and it's simple, and and it's small. You know, what I rewatched recently was uh, the. The '70s version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh yeah, Philip Kaufman. It holds up. It's good. Uh, that's a great one because that is also one where it's just this this slow snowballing, and it is it it gave it gives me nightmares. It is great. You know which ones I don't like? Yeah, because I don't like the. Um, I don't like the ones that are just gross for the sake of being like gross. Torture like, porn, like hostile. Yeah, like because like I saw a couple of saw. Uh, I've well, so the first. I would argue that the first couple saws are pretty fucking good, right. even though they are very like tortury, like porny. They're scary. Well, that's the the guy who directed Insidious directed the first one. Okay, yeah, the first one's good. I I think after the second one, when I was like, okay, they're gonna make ten of these, mm-hmm. I lost interest very quickly. Um, and then the hostile movies were like the first one is a scary concept, but then when you go to two and three, it's like you're just getting disgusting here. I like Hostile Three. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't think I caught Hostile Three. I think I was done after Hostile Two. The Human Centipede, another one that. <laughs> yeah. Is technically <laughs> under horror films, but is just. I, I was thinking, like a whole other what who produced this. I, I was thinking like, like you. Rem- I don't know if you remember the first one. Like there's this moment where the guy. Oh, I remember the, the first one. I can't ever forget the fucking first one. The guy in the front, he's just like he can no longer hold his yeah the business Asian and, guy yeah, and he's just like he's screaming and he's like apologizing. I'd be like, uh, is there seconds on this? I'm really I, I'm I'm just really peckish right now. I would just I would I would <laughs> I would be so psyched to be at the top. <laughs> Am I? Would you? You wouldn't me? be psyched to be at the top. Well, Maybe I mean, if inside. I were, I don't think you'd be making it, jokes. If I were forced, while you're shitting into some girl's mouth uh, after you just ate dog food from a bowl. Uh, 
I, well, also the language barrier. Yeah, that Asian guy didn't speak English. Yeah, yeah. Or he pretended ge- not German, to. Or German. German. <laughs> he was the German scientist. Uh, Steve, are there horror movies that scared ever scared you? I think the best one ever made is probably The Exorcist, and it kind of goes back to that. A, the beginning of the movie, she's trying to explain, you know, like there's something wrong with my daughter. And they're like, there's, there's nothing wrong with her. I think that's. It's about the normal I, becoming. Yeah. yeah. That taps into, it's funny. I was talking to my sister about her wife and some medical issues. And, um, is she possessed? No, but she has some heart issue. And oh. of course she was going to doctors over and over again, going, it sums up with me. And they said, eh, it's anxiety. Just meditate. And it turned out to be some serious heart thing. Um, she might need surgery. And it's it's like that the people not listening to your concerns. That's like when that it taps into that, mm-hmm. especially like doctors or people in positions of power. Like there's my daughter is levitating above the bed. And they're like, eh, I, I think it's, she's a teenager. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, it's, <laughs> she's it's going, hormones. She's, she's got a period. No, I, it doesn't I, make them float. It's. So scary. But I think that is exactly the sort of thing that makes a good scary movie. And that's why. um, I would say that those ghost ones are significantly more scary, like, than any slasher or anything else. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know what I thought of the other day? It it woke me up out of a dead sleep. Was that movie Audition? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who directed it. Takashi Miike. Um, oh, uh, Mike Snow guy, Mike M I I K E. Well, that's Mike Snow, but this is Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they named the band after him. Um, that's a fucking slow burn. Yeah, so it starts off like a almost like a romantic comedy. Uh-huh. It's about a a director who's like looking for a girlfriend, so he auditions people mm-hmm. and to find the the perfect woman that he can fall in love with. He pretends to be casting a movie and has women come in and he. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. And then it becomes a totally batshit crazy movie. Yikes. And it is, uh, I saw it in a theater in West LA where it was a matinee. I was with John Enbaum, and like it's, it was one of these indie places. So there were all these like old people there who like read in the, you know, just looked and saw that in the LA Weekly, it got a critic's choice or whatever. And so they're sitting there. Oh boy. And at a certain point, they're just streaming out of the movie theater because it's like so shocking. And then John and I are just giggling and we're terrified. It is it, not for old people. It is not for old people. Yeah. It is. So I, I was dating a girl for several years and she was half Japanese and we saw the movie together and to fuck with me, she would make that sound that she makes in the movie that oh so i woke up hearing that sound and that that scene in the movie that that where it takes place oh yikes um yeah darren something is definitely wrong with japanese people darren pointed out that uh darren that the sinister was actually uh from the one of the other saw guys not james wan who did insidious and uh and The Conjuring. Uh, Michael Binhock doesn't like horror films, but said that B- Bad Taste and Brain Dead by Peter Jackson, he loves because they were over, to- over the top and funny. Um, and then Jane just said that the original Dawn of the Dead, uh, George Miller's, or was that, is that his name? George? 
George Romero. Romero. George Romero uh, was uh, that scared her, and that's a great movie. I love that movie. The, actually, I like both of them, uh, but that one is excellent. Um, that's a remake, right? Uh, well, no, they're the original from 1974 or 78, oh. whatever. That's that's a great one. They both take place in shopping malls. Uh, oh, spoiler alert, Steve. Um, I was just thinking that's probably where you will be killed, Marty, because you spend ninety percent of your free time in shopping malls. Oh, I love the mall. I Do love you really? no. I love the, you? the the this you have, one like, the, mall off the worst one. No, no, but the one the one further away. Like, and then I've mentioned it. It's like you walk through. It's just packed with people, and they're all enjoying themselves. I see people doing homework there. I see old people just you know wandering around, and just like it's. And they're all happy. They all love it there. It's the best one. And it's like a lot of Asian people there. I feel at home. Um, You're weird. I'll take you there, Steve. I'll take I you there. I will not, <laughs> no, not go to the mall. Uh, I'm not going to give it away. No, it's a Santa Anita mall. It's, oh, I wouldn't go over there. It's it's the best. And they've got great food there. Uh, stinky tofu? Uh, they don't have stinky tofu, but there's a dentai fung there. And mm. there's a chicken. Anyhow, we're getting off topic here. Okay. So I think that. What, what scares you, Marty? What Steve tapped into about like having the ordinary become unordinary and then people not believing you. There's a movie called The Sentinel. There's Poltergeist, uh, like you said, The Exorcist. All those things are, are great. And then there's also the idea of modulating tension. So like, uh, like if you see Poltergeist... You know, it starts off like there's a guy on a bicycle carrying a 12-pack of beer and him falling over. And, and like, you know, it's a very goofy moment. So you're setting a very goofy or a, a light setup so that when things just go off the rails, it be, it's that much contrast. Mm-hmm. And, and you're like, oh. And like in The Exorcist, there's these, these wonderful moments. Like it's where you see Reagan, the, the daughter, and the mom just sort of having these moments, these mother-daughter moments. And you're like, they're very intimate. Nothing is really going on. But it, it makes, when she becomes uh, possessed. The monster. Yeah. The monster. It makes it that much more like, but that they just had that beautiful, intimate moment. And now we're, uh, now we're just, we're getting, you know, called a. She's screaming at a priest, your mother sucks cocks in hell. Yeah. I'm like, woof. Yeah. What a tone shift. And. She's stabbing her vagina with a crucifix. And it's strange though. But knowing those things makes, make it. I think that's one of the reasons why some of the best horror films are low budget films mm. because those things are not done by special effects. They're not done by big movie uh, paranormal movie stars. activity. Paranormal it looks activity. Like you're looking Perfect. at cell phone footage. Yeah. And it that's real. that is just boring to me. Like that's my criticism of paranormal activity is that they're moments that are just boring. Really? But yeah, I, yeah, a little bit, especially in the later ones, but uh, I don't. I don't know why they ever make twos and threes of these horror uh, movies. I mean, because they make money, but yeah. like, fuck, like. According one to, word, Jews. Uh, Darren Husted <sighs> said that money. said that Saw Six was his favorite. Huh. Um, you know, it's also a really good movie to watch. Uh, I, I rewatched it recently. I think it's a masterpiece. Is the thing. John Carpenter's remake of the 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 fifties uh, movie, but yeah. it's it's. It, it's a and I, I always thought they should. I mean, they remade it with what's her name uh, from uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Uh, Mary Elizabeth. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Master Mitchell, Antonio. Uh, Master Antonio. Yeah. Streep. 
But yeah. um, I, I always thought they should do an all-female remake. Oh, that's another movie I love is The Descent. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a, a great one. one. You should see that. Get a bunch of gals trapped in a place. It's a lot of fun. And they're like, and there's some great dynamics in there. Yeah, Howard Hawks directed the original thing. I think yeah. under a pseudonym. Um, but the, it's a bunch of it's a bunch of scientists and whatever trapped in the Antarctica, yeah. and there's a monster. Well, I put a call out for other people to give one sentence reviews to their favorite horror films. Um, so one uh, sentence reviews. Yeah. So Jenny, uh, Jenny Marie, she wrote writes in that Session Nine, directed by Brad Anderson, uh, the most atmospherically powerful movie set in an abandoned insane asylum ever. I mean, there's a ton of those ones, but uh, it's the best one that she says. Uh, and that movie is is really good. It he. Brad Anderson has a weird, uh, like a very diverse, he's not a genre director, but he directed that one. It was like the first movie I ever saw that was shot on video that was shown in the theaters. Hmm. Uh, so it doesn't look great, but um, it, it, it was shot on these Sony cameras that were g- good at the time. But um, it, is, it is very, very creepy and very atmospheric. Uh, but like I will say that, and I think I've said this before, you know, you're in a creepy environment, so you're tuned to be for things to be creepy. If you watch the original ring in Japan, the, the original one, like there's a, she finds the first tape at a, a cabin and it just looks like some dumb like cabin. But the, in the re- remake that Gore Verbinski did, it's like this decrepit cabin that's just covered with moss and like ominous music is playing. It's and like, like you would find that tape. Yeah, there. of course. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's, that's, I think what, why I didn't like that movie as much. Um, that movie was pretty fucking scary too, though. Uh, not sure. Writes in my first rated R movie. My friends and I hopped into the release at twelve and ho- no idea what to expect. Uh, he doesn't say which movie it was. Um, oh, Scream! That was for Scream. Okay. okay. And then for classic horror, uh, he says The Good Son, Pie, or Requiem for a Dream. I wouldn't say that Pie or Requiem. I wouldn't say any of those are classic horror movies. I think those are, what would you call Pie that? is not a horror movie. Yeah, nor is Requiem for a Dream. It's a horrific movie. No. Oh, yeah, I find it to be funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's Things see. do not turn out well for anyone. Yeah, so, he, oh, he says that those are the, the most traumatic movies he's seen. The Good oh. Son, Pie, and Requiem for a Dream. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if it's comedy horror, Idle Hands, The Frighteners, or Tremors, humorous and truly suspenseful. Um, yeah, I think that that uh, the frighteners was peter jackson's like first studio movie had the most cgi at the time um not a 100 percent success but not terrible and the first Tre- friday the 13th is pretty good oh yeah but see that that goes into the the low budget uh. thing where you know they it builds tension really well and the a seeming like normal thing of like hey let's go i think i've seen that sex. one that was pretty scary yeah kevin kevin bacon yeah also, uh, I always found that the Halloween movies were scary, including Rob Zombie's remake, oh, really? which fucking really scared me for some reason. Uh, Mark Pro- uh, Presley says that his favorite horror film is John Carpenter's The Thing. The Thing is classic sci-fi horror, which is relentless in its suspense and with great visuals. Fuck Cleveland. Yeah, the the visuals in it are fantastic. Like People talk about that all the time, about... Like, like adding so much to my Netflix list that Netflix is going to start suggesting me fucking gnarly movies. Mm-hmm. Um, 
someone named Lance Mountain emailed in and said uh, incorrectly, huh? the audition, she says. It's actually audition. Uh, she says, don't watch it at night in your apartment alone thinking it's a lighthearted romp like I did. Huh. <laughs> it starts out that way. Um, Ryan in Australia says, I think he's Australian. I'm sorry if I got that wrong. Alien. It's a haunted house movie, but the house is a spaceship and the ghost is a terror from another planet. That's a great movie. Mm-hmm. I've seen that one. And again... I haven't seen the new one, though. The You don't see the monster until 55 minutes in, and because it's setting up, setting you up as for something that's very, very sort of calm and, and then things go batshit. Uh, Vincent from Hong Kong says, my favorite horror movie is Pure Pasolini's Sallow. Oh, well, Vincent is watching Pasolini. Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Uh, human atrocities scare the shit out of me and it's pretty much a reflection of Hong Kong's condition right now. Mm. Uh, that's great. I actually, I've only seen clips of it and it is atrocious um yeah the atrocities are are rampant in there and pasolini was a fucked up guy he he did some crazy weird weird ass movies uh, i had to literally go check and make sure lance mountain wasn't listening live <laughs> oh really i thought that i was like is she listening right now no no oh, she sent that in last night um oh, miguel diaz jr says i think i don't know is this the first time ever uh he says an elderly madman puts in an puts people in an extremely difficult situation while trying to justify it by believing that whether they live or die is their own choice. He doesn't say what his favorite movie... Oh, I did say just give a one-sentence review of your favorite horror movie, and That's he like, did. Yeah, guess it. Yeah. What was that one that came out recently that was like about like... Don't breathe. Yeah. It could be that, but he didn't put those people in that situation. Wait, read that one again? An elderly madman puts people in an extremely difficult situation while trying to justify it by believing that whether they live or die is their own choice that's, that's saw. saw yeah that's, that's saw. saw i just got so excited because i guess <laughs> good yeah Yay. i think that's right um tyson says dr caligari that's not the cabinet of dr caligari from the silent movie but from 1989 anytime john durbin's gus pratt character is on screen the movie manages to get even more interesting Okay, Dr. Caligari. Man, people really came through. Yeah, this is great. Steve Erdley, Stephen Erdley said, while this sci-fi horror isn't without fault, I like to think of it as the best episode of Firefly following an alternate dark timeline, Alien Resurrection. Now, this is the That's one... one that just came out? Mm-mm. This no. is the oh. one that was directed by the French dude, I believe. Uh, uh, yes. Oh, no, no, no. Is it the, the Fincher one? Hold on. Let me look. No. Uh, it's the fourth one. Yeah, so it's the Winona Ryder one. It was the one that was uh, directed by the guy who did, uh, what What did he do, like um, Delicatessen? Delicatessen. Yeah. yeah. It's not a real good one. And Amelie. Um, mm. it's, it's got some interesting things. It's got the French dude from, uh, from Delicatessen in it, and it's got the guy, the big guy. What's his name? Uh, John Goodman. Yeah, John Goodman. Ron Perlman. Oh, he was also a big guy. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'll, I have that uh, in my queue to rewatch before I see the, the newest crappy uh, one. I'll, I'll the Midge on the list. liked it. The, the new one. The new one? Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And Midge never likes any movies. Really? Yeah, it's so annoying. Is he watching horror movies with you? He'll watch a couple of them. 
But like I'll watch, like we'll watch a movie together, and then after the movie we'll go, oh, that was pretty good, and then I'll hear him talk to his friends like, like I hated it, and I'm like, you're just a big old fucking show, aren't yeah. you? Big old jaded Hollywood show. Uh, Evan Cardi of Roseville says John Carpenter's The Thing. The music and pacing are perfect. Who did the music for that? Me? I'm asking anybody. Oh, I'm he assuming did. that John Carpenter did. Oh, he, yeah. He does his own music. He does his own music. He, he did yeah. the Halloween theme. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Jane says uh, her favorite horror film is um, Dead Snow, which is pretty good. Hmm. Uh, one Never sentence review, a very self-aware horror comedy about Nazi zombies terrorizing a group of college kids in a cabin. Mm. And uh, yeah, you can see the the Dead Snow 2 or Dead Snow Better Red Than Dead with Martin Starr in it, which is <laughs> kind of funny. It's actually, that one's really good. Isn't he a friend of the show? Uh, he's a friend of the show. I, th- I don't think he's, I can't remember if he was on the show or he's not. He's a friend of a friend. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyhow, he's the only other Martin I know. Well, I have a lot to do. What? No, I thought you were going to say something. Oh, no, I, I, I'm saying I have a lot to watch. Oh, no, we're not even done. We, we still got more to go. What? Uh, I have to leave in five minutes. You do? Okay, well, we'll, we'll hold, hold Get through them. Okay. Um, all right, that's for the mail sack. Uh, J. Pete Cutter says... Not usually a big horror fan, but my favorites are The Thing and Alien, so clearly you have to see The Thing. Fear and paranoia spreading through a group can be pretty effective. The Mist, which is... I, I, would, I would say The Descent is like a female version of The Thing. Yeah, you should see The Descent. You should, but do you have that on your list? Which one? The Descent. I the, looked up for it on Netflix. It's not on there. All right. Um, and Day of the Dead come to mind uh, in that vein, The Mist and Day of the Dead, uh, J.P. Cutter says. Day of the Dead, I need to rewatch. I don't remember loving it. Um, remember, there is the 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 good guy is a is a zombie in that one. Uh, slapstick hybrids are always Spoiler. fun. Uh, Evil Dead Two, <laughs> too late. Drag Me Damn to Hell, it. and Shaun of the Dead. Um, those are all great great movies and very funny and with scary moments in them. I think Shaun of the Dead, of all the horror comedies, does it the best. I think it it shifts from really really funny. Uh, scene work like you know judd apatow-esque like this is really crackling with energy and yeah. humor too oh my god that guy's stomach is being pulled out of him yeah by these mom- like oof. i'm i'm makes me excited about baby driver which comes out yeah. uh, this Yay. week yeah and uh lastly i will just offer this movie that i thought was just so creepy and funny and and also very simple um it, it was just shot in one, basically one location or two locations. It's a movie called Resolution. Uh, it's it used to be on on uh, streaming, but it's not right now. But it'll come back on. It's directed by this two man team. Um, they're called uh, Justin Benson, Aaron Moorhead, and uh, they have a, a new movie that's going to come out. I think this summer uh, called The Endless. It's about uh, a cult. Um, but yeah, but resolution, it's, it's really, it, it's just perfect amount of creepiness and weirdness, like Lynchian sort of craziness along with very, very funny actors in it. Um, <clears throat> all right. So you can go now. You, you, you have your work, no, but uh, stay as long as you can, please. I'm going to, yeah. I've got hey Marty, is it time for man's corner? Is she gone? Uh, n- n- hold on, dude. Hey, did you really oh, okay. audition for glow? <laughs> 
you're referring to a tweet that that Steve <laughs> meant? Oh no, no, no it was an email. email. <laughs> uh, no, I, I didn't. But um, man, Mark Maron is nailing it. And so I watched good. like three or four. I'm, I've watched up to seven, and I auditioned for a big role in that uh, show, and I'm really, as if I wasn't sad enough I didn't get it at the time, because I knew that the show was going to be dope. Now I'm really, really extra sad watched, like to a point where I almost didn't want to watch it, because I was like, I was even just seeing the posters around town, I was like, fuck my life. I don't know why. This has happened to me plenty of times. I, I very rarely get the things that I want to get, and yet, for some reason, this one's really hurting me. Um, this is so good. Is it? Is it? I, I used to watch. I just dig the fuck out of it. So this is a new Netflix show called Glow, which stands for mm-hmm. Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. That mm-hmm. was started by Jackie Stallone. Um, it's a real mother. thing from the 80s. It's a real thing mm-hmm. from the 80s. I used but to watch it. this is an alternate b- retelling of it. This was my version of pornography when I was a, a 12-year-old boy. Oh, we are in Man's Corner. What? Are we in Man's Corner? Are we oh, in no, Mansplaining no, 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 yet? No, no. Is she gone? Do you uh, have a theme song for Man's Corner? You can't. All the girls, they've left the room. It's time to talk about being the groom. I don't know. Oh, that's like a fun old-timey one. I was. I like yeah, old-timey stuff. No, like, it's got to be like arena rock. Yeah, Hank Williams Jr. is working on it right now. Yeah, baby. Uh, yeah, it's good. The show's it's, good. It's funny. It's real good. Is it just like? Mm-hmm. Is it slapstick funny or is it drama? No. Is it no. hour? Is it an hour? No, no. It's just. It's, half it's all the good things. The new black. Oh, Genji Cohen. Yeah, it's the same people. Cohen. Oh. Why do you think I was so upset about this? Oh, yeah. Uh. It's really good. That's fantastic. And I was like, huh? When I heard about it, I went, uh, okay. It, it, it sticks to landing, as it were. Nice. It's uh, Alison Brie, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. The lead. The, wom- the woman that plays her Holy uh, moly. friend. Betty Gilpin, yeah. She was so good in American God. She's so good in this. And Mark Barron is just like the guy that ties the show together. Like, yeah, wow, really, he's good. Because he's, he's really only really job. played himself. You know? I know. I'm, and I'm not the biggest Marin fan. I'm like, eh, he's good, but he's really good. Yeah, he's doing a great job. Everyone on that show is doing awesome. All right. Well, you can binge watch the whole first season. And, and they're half hours. I love it. I think the first one's 44 minutes, but then after that, yeah, they're half-hour shows. Yeah. They end, and you go, no, don't end. No, which I don't love. end. That's, That's the perfect, it's a perfect binge-watching show. Because the cliffhangers aren't big enough that you have to watch the next episode, but it's like the show is nice enough that you're like, oh, and it's all I want to see more. It's got Ellen. My only complaint about Orange is the New Black is I feel they're too long. I feel like they could be tightened up a little bit. They are long episodes, um, and... The cliff. Uh, you know what? I have I have a little bit of qual. I haven't finished this new season of Orange New Black yet, but like, I kind of am over this like balance between being funny and being dramatic. Like, I kind of <laughs> wish that they would just like be stick funny. with one. Stick with one, and I prefer it when it's dramatic. Personal. Oh, really? Yeah, because this new season, I don't want to like spoil anything, and if I do, I'll make sure to say it afterwards. Um, yeah, yeah, but, that's the way it goes. Uh, Piper dies. <laughs> no, she doesn't, does she? Spoiler Fuck! alert. No, she, no, no way. They can't kill her. Um, but uh, they're just like, this This new season is starting at such like a, because the cliffhanger from last season was just like, holy shit. And now this season is like starting from such like a crazy, like tense moment. And it's just like, let's go and like boop, boop, boop around all these little groups and see what kind of shenanigans they're up to. And it's like, oh man, like, 
I feel like this is too funny and it could be, you know, it could be, All right. but like, it's good. I don't know. And it's I, it's zigging when it should zag, as I like to say. Precisely. Except that, yeah. So, so there's other people who disagree with me on that. And they're like, so oh, watch it's good. We like Glow, it then. Is what watch them both. I mean, they're both. Well, good I've shows. given up on Orange is the New Black. I, two seasons ago, I was done. But Oh, really? I, oh, you're not even yeah, caught up? Okay. I just, I, I gave up. It's too long. It's, it, I think you're, totally right it doesn't quite figure out it's they haven't figured out its tone or and its it, tone and issues. it wins emmys for comedy and then one year i think it was nominated for drama and then they went back to comedy and it that i think that's what like really was like okay everyone knows that you guys can't pick so can you just fucking pick please mm. uh yeah. darren says um actually uh, mostly two nurse jackie writers not really genji Betty Gilpin was also on Earth. Yeah, Nurse she was on Earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right, that's good. I don't know who makes it. I don't know who directs it. I don't know who writes it, but it's, oh, it's good. Women. I think every single episode that I've seen so far it was either directed or written by a woman or both. There you go. That's very exciting. It's great. Uh, Preach. It's a fucking awesome show. I'm glad that I got yeah. to talk about it yeah. before I left. Yeah. Even and I'm you know what I love about the pilot? About is it's set in the 80s, right? I mean, it is. It never tells you when. Oh, I can tell you when. It never says 1985, 1989. No character says, "Hey, sister, it's 1988. We're we're doing blank now." Like it, it, it doesn't say what year it is. They don't really. It's nice. They don't really make super heavy. I think the only reference I like, I've only heard one specific reference to like someone be like, "She's like Madonna, who is huge right now." Yep, exactly. The they don't. Only... They're not like this is a pager. This is only for important people. Like, uh-huh, uh-huh. That's really smart. It. Yeah, they just they have a couple big cell phones and shit looks old and their hair looks crazy, but they're not really, they're not, they're being true to the time without right. being there, like. There's crazy. no John Anderson references or Gary Hart and, or whatever. Like, huh? John Anderson was 1980. That was 79. That's too old? Yeah, that's a little old. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, I think there's your answer, Steve, is that women are, are able to dominate in television a lot more than they are in movies and people are watching TV. So that's, that's a good thing. You know, the tran- transparent, you look at Shonda Rhimes, you look at Genji Cohen. Um, it's, it's look it's, at your it, sister. You look at my sister. Bingo. Yeah. So, all right. I gotta okay. Go. All right. Bye guys. We'll Bye. See you next week. Uh, um, oh, thank, oh, thank God, God that's God, over. She's gone. Jesus Christ. Um, she wouldn't. So uh, anyhow, what let's we, talk about tits. Yeah, how are Alison Bree's tits? Uh, oh, they're so good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you see them in the pilot. We are horrible uh, people. Mm, I mean, they're not. Uh, what's her name from True Detective? Good, but they're good. Alessandra Daddario. What's that? Yeah, Alexandra Daddario's tits. Yeah. They're just the best. Um, and we've lost our female viewer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, clicking off in three. Two, <laughs> More yeah, dead air. Lynn Shelton directed one of them. I like her. I think she's a really good uh, movie director. Directed one of what? Uh, of Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. Oh, you're still talking about Glow. Yeah. Um, it's good. Watch yeah. it. I enjoyed it. I, but I, I laugh. She I will... care. Wait, uh, what happened to the woman who directed 13? Um, who directed the first, uh, the first Twilight? Did, did she... Oh, yeah. She kind of stinks. Oh. I've seen some of her. 13 was not that good. She kind of, yeah. I never saw it. Catherine Hardwick. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, because you would have thought that she would want to stay on that that whole. I I think train. they pulled a Lord Miller. Oh, I see. They went, thank you for your for your service. Here's a gold watch. But she's been doing a lot of TV and. Huh? Uh, Lynn Shelton, she did this great movie called Hump Day. I don't know if you've seen that. Have you seen Hump Day? I've heard of it. It's very funny. It's got one of the Duplass brothers in it, and the good one. Uh, the you know the good one. <laughs> we all know we don't need to name names, but he uh, he and his friend, his straight friend, they decide to shoot a um, a gay video f- to win Hump Day, which is the Dan Savage like. Oh, you've seen Hump Day. I, I went to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and do you want to explain what that is? It's self-made or amateur pornography made in, with an artistic lens, or not, right? and, or not. It's just shown. It's just porn that that gets shown only in the context of the theater of of that showing. So it will never reach the internet unless the person wants to and you know people aren't allowed to film it they're not you know they can obviously talk about it but it is very secure it's a secure way that people can f- let their express themselves fly. through video yeah. uh, or film yeah and be as erotic as they want yeah i sat in a theater a sold out screening in los angeles and i watched um cum being shot into a man's beard like i'm like wow this is I'm I'm seeing this. Yeah. So six this out of is, ten real. of the gorgeous ladies of wrestling were, were directed by women. Eight out of ten were written by women. So there you go. Uh, I think also, you know, the commitment to do a movie, I think, is is years. As, as we know from from Bill's experience, you know, six seven years like working on Bill the made a movie, and uh, never talked di- about it. Directing. TV is is a you know it's a way to keep working and and Patty Jenkins worked her ass off after uh, doing Monster and did a shitload of TV and I think that that has to be a little more satisfying on some degree uh, in some degree because you know she um, directed a couple pilots and then and then also you know you just get to work a lot more as a director and actually on set. Um, you know, yeah, well, you don't get your 10,000 hours doing a movie every seven years. Yeah, like Ridley Scott was talking about shooting Alien, how uh, that whole um, chest-bursting scene, he only had one chance to do it, and uh, like because they, they didn't want to have to... Cl- the set was too white to clean after all that blood was spraying, and he, uh, but they shot with like five cameras, and he says, uh, you know, at that point, I'd shot like 3,000 commercials, so I, I, I knew what I was doing. <laughs> I yeah. was like, fuck. So, yeah, get everybody, it doesn't have to be 10,000 hours, but do, do the work, and then you get the work. Um, well, also, when you direct TV, you're, it's not on your shoulders. You're almost like a, a hired hand. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, so, like... Even you have though, to be more of a technician and less of an auteur. Right. And no, actually, you get to be more of a technician. And I think being yeah. a technician allows you to be, be more of an auteur because you can, you have more. Ooh, look what she did there. Yeah. It's like, you know, Whoa. you can't improvise unless you know you, you do your scales, you know? Yeah, I think that's true. We're I think, into you know, mail sack. I, mean, I think mail sack, probably the mail most talented sack, director whose name I can actually remember is Ryan Johnson. Right. And I look at, right? That's his name? Yeah. Wow. And I look at his credits and I'm like, he made two movies. Like, oh, but he did a bunch of TV and he did like 
you know, fucking Breaking Bad. Like he did really good TV, which yeah. had had already figured itself out. Had already, you know, right. had a really strong like, and, writing staff. And you're forced to actors. listen to to other people like explain what why they're doing what they're doing. You know. Yeah, he was supported, and yeah. I mean, he did some of the best Breaking Bads. But I I think that's going to be like the future. You know, it's not going to be. I direct three movies a year, you know, and started in B movies and blah, blah, blah. I, I don't, I don't, I, I want someone who from TV who can, you know, yeah, we make a movie in eight days or an hour long movie, you know, like, cool. Well, here um, you go. Um, I um, just played the first part of the mail sack song. So, um, <laughs> did I talk over the entire thing? No, no, no. I, I, I let you talk. I let you talk about, but, but now we're in the mail sack. Um, great. What do you got? Chris Miller writes in, uh, Morning Murps, your favorite listener slash field reporter. Chris Miller wishing you a groovy morning. Where to begin? I want to start with my picturesque uh, introduction to L.A., but then that runs into the story of what E3 was like. Before I can wrap that up, I'm already on to meeting Peter W.G. Now I'm talking about the missing gamer who had Twitter ablaze and how I spent hours going door-to-door trying to find her, or how I lost a friend over the whole ordeal, or how to join thousands... Uh, how I joined thousands to say goodbye to Adam West. Yesterday alone, I spent geeking out with my favorite adult film actress ooh, and preparing a huge gathering of friends in Anaheim in December. So, so much to go over that uh, this message can't convey aptly. And that brings me to the last bit of business. I'll be taking a sabbatical from Nooner. Among the many things to have happened was meeting with Telltale Games and discussing writing for them. Nothing is promised, but I've been given a shot, one I intend to take. Most of my time will be monopolized going forward, and my move has been suspended indefinitely. So this is your faithful field reporter signing off and wishing you Godspeed in all the days to come. Congratulations uh, on that. I hope uh, something comes of that. Um, and uh, what a great uh, opportunity. Uh, Telltale, they, um, they are a pretty big deal. They're in Northern California, and uh, they do the Minecraft story mode games. Um, as well as a bunch of tie-in stuff. They do uh, like the Walking Dead um, games and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, stuff like that. That's a great place for a writer to be, too. It's like it's very story-driven stuff. Uh, well, uh, Chris, please write in at any time, and uh, we love that uh, things are going better for you, and I uh, hope this turns into something um, big or um, and you make it back to L.A. sometime soon. Um, Carrie Lynn writes in, uh, Hey, Murps, long time no talk. Great show last week. One very important question. Was there an update on the Reddit file cabinet guy, uh, his story? So last week there was a Reddit story about a guy who pried open his his father's uh, file cabinet that he was not allowed to be near in his entire life that his dad like guarded. Um, and so he was like, I think, 18, 19. And he decided to pick the lock. And so he picked the lock and found all this, like a big dildo and some porn and all sorts of other stuff that he didn't go into detail about. And then the the core of the lock popped out, the cylinder. And he was freaking out because his dad was going to be home in several hours. And so he posted photos and he said like how his life was over and all this stuff and he was going to try to live stream it. And then he, um, hours after that, he... Shot by the police? He was shot by the police. and uh, He was pulled over was, for a traffic stop? Yes, because he was um, black. Didn't uh, see that coming. Nope. <laughs> no one ever sees the <laughs> racist police force coming. Uh, no, he was 
Um, he pulled it. He pulled the the story. No update. And Aww. yeah, so either that means he totally his life got ruined and his father has imprisoned him, or uh, you know the, the other thing that is uh, in high likelihood that it might have been a, just a joke, a story, but it was a captivating one and it was one that was interesting. So, um, I think that sounds like the beginning of a horror movie. Yeah, yeah, uh, the filing cabinet. <laughs> Yeah, I can churn them out, dude. There you go. All right. Uh, yeah, would that be good? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, well, The Stepfather is another great one. Um, Terry O'Quinn, um, that was done, what, like 89 or something like that? About, mm, don't uh, know that one. Oh, uh, it's good. It's a good slasher movie. And and this is about a, you know, a murderous dad, and this is about a murderous stepdad. So there you go. I think the horror thing, he would have to not find a dildo. He'd have to find something... Like a knife. Oh, no, no. An actual penis. A mummified penis. <laughs> there you go. And then he, he doesn't know if it's his dad's or not. And so he's like, mm. uh, hey, dad, uh, let's go to the ball game. And then they go to the ball game. He's like, hey, dad, you want to go to the trash, the, the, the you know, trough? Drink urinal? another beer, dad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, here, hey, here's let's another go one. together. And then his dad's like, I got to take a dump. And he, he can't find out. And then. Um, got a pussy. Turns out he's got a pussy, or he's got, or every day he just wears a different mummified cock. <laughs> oh, he's got man. second act problems, but I, I think we can fix it. Yeah, yeah. And then, oh, you know, the, the third act is when he comes for his son's cock. Mm. Yeah, oh. it may not be horror. We may be onto something else. <laughs> porn, <laughs> porn, the greatest, the newest fetish porn out there. Mm. Peter W.G. writes in, uh, Peter W.G. here with a personal request of the ever-changing cast of Murps. First, I want to let you know that I am still actively listening every week, but with it being my busy season, I'm never able to tune in live. Um, yeah, let us know how it's going. Let us know if there are any great shows that you've seen or uh, worked on um, that aren't just with like skateboarders and 15-year-olds. Uh, this brings me to my request, because he, um, he does like stage uh, shows, um, you know, like warp tour type type of stuff. Uh, this brings me to my request. Oh, have you ever done Juggalos, Peter WG? What's the what the what is it called? The something of the Juggalos. Gathering of the Juggalos. Gathering of the Juggalos. Whoop whoop. I wonder if I if I wore enough makeup that I could fit in there. You know, <laughs> if I could t- a. I've done. I've had an opportunity for two whoop whoops, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. And B, I'm sure you would be the only Asian. I know, but if I wore makeup and sunglasses, nobody would know, right? <laughs> I think Except we have the beginning of a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, geez. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going undercover for Medium to write my think piece on the Juggalos. <laughs> no, I'm a Yale-educated Asian American, yeah. and then all of a putting sudden, on clown makeup. A sudden rainstorm strikes. Like there's like white pools at my feet. I'm like, what? No, hey, no, stop, no. Get him. <laughs> Get him. Whoop whoop. <laughs> Just being sp- uh, being sprayed with Fagor. <laughs> ah, it burns. It burns. <sighs> I was wondering if we could act- if we could line up a few more Sunday casts in the near future, as I would love to swing by and cast. I might end up living back east at the end of the year, and I would love to see everybody a few more times before that becomes a reality. Because, you know, Peter's in love, and his lady friend lives on the east coast. I'm assuming that's why. But, um, yeah, that would be great. We will figure this out, and um, 
We'll absolutely do that. We love having Peter WG in the house. So, and um, I hope you're having a good time. Hope you're wearing sunscreen and um, you're not stuck in some sort of swamp state like Tennessee for too long. I'm not, nothing against Tennessee. It's just this time of year. Uh, yeah, it's only June and like planes can't land in Arizona. Ugh, gross. It's unbelievable. And then Ash Williams says, future book title, My Dad's Dildo and Other Childhood Oddities. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Perfect timing. Cougar's Balls. And that's the... We had a great mail sack. Oh, this fantastic. Week. Yeah. And I, I did also hear from off uh, from Detective Ray in uh, in North Carolina, and he had some... Uh, but that that's a separate thing. But uh, Ray, if you're still listening, we'd love to hear from you. And everybody else that's in your Nooner podcast at gmail.com. Um, Steve, what's going on with you? I haven't got, had a good update on you because I know how forthcoming you are about your, your life. I'm just wait, I'm waiting for the phone to ring. Yeah. As, as, soon, as soon as I know, I'll let everyone know when I'm what sliding you, back. Are you, are you writing these days? I am. Something, something for me. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Dear Diary. Dear Diary. You are so amazing. I want to uh, just shout out a couple of more uh, horror movies that people should see. Um, just, I think they're good. Like on Ghost Stories, people should see The Sentinel. Not a great directed movie, but really fucking scary. Beverly D'Angelo. Um, Bev Dange. Bur- Burgess Meredith. Christopher Burgess. <laughs> Chris Sarandon. And I think... Uh, Chris S. I think Jeff Goldblum might be in it. Something like Jeffy that. Gold. Jeffy Gold. Um, I could be wrong, but anyhow, it's it's a very creepy movie. Good, good uh, satanic thing. Devil's Backbone. Good, great ghost story from Guillermo del Toro. The others, the orphanage. Two other uh, ones directed by Spanish-speaking directors. The um, uh, Suspiria. Have you seen that? Dario Argento. No. Great, great. I know movie. of it, but Classic. I have never seen it. Classic. And uh, he worked with this band called Goblin. And uh, they are like this sort of prog metal band and who are, are famous mostly for doing for scoring his movies. And uh, it's pretty great. Uh, House of the Devil, Ty West. Um, it's a really good one. Greta Gerwig and has a small part in it. And it is great. It is a really, really good movie, period movie. Burnt Offerings, you ever see that one? No, Karen Black. It's that is streaming on Netflix. K now. Black, uh, yeah. KB, KB in the oh, hizzy, man. and uh, Oliver Reed is in it, and oh. uh, and Burgess Meredith, and Burmerge. yeah, and Shelley Winters, Shelwin, and, and a really creepy guy with uh, who drives a hearse, um, Cairo, which was remade. What was the Kristen Bell one called? Um, uh, I don't know. Oh shit! Hold on. Sorry. Uh, Are you banging it? Pulse. Uh, Sam Levine was in the remake of that with uh, Kristen Bell, but the original it was really bad. But the original was very, very atmospheric. Um, Have the Coen Brothers ever made a horror movie? They should. They should. They'd be good at oh, it. Oh my god, that would be great. Yeah. Are uh, they, do they? Do they listen in? Yeah. One of the brothers does. Yeah. The good one. The one who became, who went through <laughs> surgery, uh, who, went, who transitioned. Uh, did you see the original Wicker Man? I did, yeah. The Equalizer dude? 
Uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, that one's really good. It's, it's the, Nick, the Nick Cage one's a little silly. It is just uh, if if you want to know the, uh, just watch go on YouTube and just w- do Nick Cage Wicker Man final scene and yeah. it is one of the greatest things ever. He's uh was uh, he's on the wrong medication that shoot. Yeah, yeah. Or going through a something. Um, on the zombie movies, I liked Zombie Land, uh, Wreck, which isn't strictly a zombie movie. Um, both Dawns of the Dead. Uh, and 20 Days Later, of course. Oh, um, still holds up. Yep. I'm not a big survival horror, torture porn type of guy. Like The Strangers, I felt like, you know, or, or Funny Games, where it's just like people in a house being killed. No. Um, but I did love Your your Next. Um, have you seen that one? Sharni Sounds Vincent. Sounds familiar. Um, it's directed by, you know, those guys who are, do all those movies, like Adam Wingard, I think is, oh, he directed it. And Joe Swanberg is in it. It's a really uh, very satisfying, very satisfying movie that is sort of a a twist on that sort of torture porn stuff. Much, much more. Uh, Your next. Your next. I feel like I've seen it. Um, on the low budget front, I think <laughs> Dan, I'm going through them all. I'm going through Jesus. them all. Phantasm. Look, I'm a I'm a fan of this genre. Hey, clearly. Uh, Phantasm was the original one is very low budget and not a great movie but it's a, and I it shows you how uh, no very bad actors and a low budget can still generate something that's scary Dance of the Dead is also a very low budget movie that was made in Georgia very uh, resourceful filmmaking um, by Greg something or other um, In Fear oh shit which one is In Fear anyway mm-hmm. just just look it up watch it I don't hear a lot of love for Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh no, that's that's uh, that's all my. Is that, is that good? Oh, I don't remember it being good. Uh, In Fear is a is a really creepy movie. It's just about a couple. Uh, they it's their first date. They go to a, a music festival and realize that you know they're not really compatible, you know. And then they're driving back through the like the roads of Ireland, and they just can't. They keep getting lost. They, they they just come back to the same places and the same places, and it is really creepy. And it's mm. it's, it's it, it feels like a nightmare. You know, one of those nightmares where you just have no control, and things just it, very frustrating and and um, squirmy. It's it's really good oh. um, in terms of low budget filmmaking. And um, yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is fantastic. It is this probably the scariest movie I've ever seen. I would I recommend to any people listening that if they want to make films, and probably a lot do, make a horror, make a genre, make something. Yeah, because you are that. challenged to be incredibly resourceful, and you don't have all the tools that the studios have, but you have the like. It's amazing, like you know, in evil. That's Dead, not even the studios; it's the audience. As young Cassandra had mentioned, like she likes paranormal activity. That's yeah. That you can make that with been, your phone. Yeah. And if you like hear about how Sam Raimi made Evil Dead, like people really remember like this sort of ghost cam that goes right into Bruce Campbell's face, like, you know, through the woods and all that. And he's just like, Yeah, we basically uh you know, strapped down a camera, our sixteen millimeter camera on a two by four. And, you know, me and my brother, like, ran through the woods with it. You know, that's how they did it. <laughs> like, 
And it's like, well, there you go. There you go. That's how you make movies. Well, and I think... Oh, the Coen brothers worked on that. Oh, they did? Oh, they, they edited it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. They, they, they started in B-movie horrors as editors. Yeah. That's interesting. They've never made one. I, I think it would be great. But I, I think audiences still like to go to horror movies because we're like sitting in front of screens all day long with earbuds in there's there's something still sort of warm and fuzzy in a horrifying way about going into a room with strangers and all being scared it's like a roller coaster it's the best it is the house and like if you want to make a movie if you want to make something that people might drag themselves to out in the theaters make a horror yeah um stay away from stay away from comedy and can too hard can I please just make my goddamn list? Okay, I'm, I'm trying to talk and you keep interrupting me. Uh, Tyson says, it turns out that it was Deadpool's penis. It re- <laughs> that your, this guy's dad was Deadpool. Oh. And it keeps regenerating. Um, Super. Yeah? Yeah. I like it. I like it. Uh, vampire movies, let me in, let the right one in. Both of those are good movies. You saw those, right? Love them. Really, really beautiful movies. Love it. Yeah. Uh, also, this, uh, there's a movie called Thirst. That was directed by uh, Changwook Park, and mm. um, you know the guy who did Old oh Boy, Old oh Boy, the the whole Revenge trilogy, and yeah, it's, yeah. it stars the same guy from those movies, and an incredibly beautiful woman, and it mm. is a fucked up movie. It is really, really, uh, it's 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 an, an excellent movie, and but vampire movies in general are not that scary, I guess. I mean, uh, no, like the, uh, the Coppola one is like, it's, it's a love story. Yeah. And it's gothic. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's the same thing as Twilight. Yeah. Totally yeah. gothic and romantic and ugh, ugh, romance. Um, Juon, the original TV movie, uh, it was in two parts. Each one's an hour. Really scary. Tale of Two Sisters, Korean movie. Um, very creepy. And, um, yeah, I think that's pretty much covers it. So you're welcome, everybody. Um, and everybody should be watching gorgeously. Everyone watch all those movies and report back in a week. Yeah. I hope everybody wrote them down because I certainly didn't write them. I was just going off the top of my head. Um, Is there a transcript of this somewhere where we can find online? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, We have, um, some people in India who it's like a sweatshop. They just transcribe (laughs) podcasts all day long and they have trouble with your, your, Odd Texas accent, Steve. I've been meaning to talk to you about that. You know, when you talk... <laughs> My twang, y'all. Uh, um, yeah, so it's... Uh, I, I'm very excited. I, I've been really uh, depressed about the news. It's just hard to listen to it and feel hopeful about anything. So I'm, I'm trying to wean myself off that and get excited about the summer movies that are still yeah. to come. We've got some great stuff coming up. We've got... Um, the Edgar Wright movie, as we talked about, Baby Driver, the new Spider-Man Homecoming, um, and um, that's it. No, we've got the the Planet of the Apes movie, which is supposed to be very good. Uh, did you have you been watching those? Those that yeah, reboot? they're good. Yeah, um, and I'm I'm going to see Transformers last night for the third time. Uh, Tyson, just so you know, the the people who directed uh, Punisher, whatever that sequel that you liked. They were the the writers on that movie as well. Um, so if you like that one, did you see It Comes at Night? That's the Joel Edgerton movie that's in oh. theaters right now. That's a horror movie. Okja. Oh, yeah, I've heard of it. Um, Okja comes out 
this uh, week on Netflix. I've yeah. Seen the first. Ah, Jesus Christ! I've seen the first uh, half of it, and it is that's it's cute pig, cute pig. Yeah, it's I awesome. want to see it real bad. Um, but it's uh, yeah, uh, I'm I'm interested in talking about it. We'll talk about it in the weeks to come. Um, and uh, what else is coming out? Come on, help me out here. What are you excited about seeing? The, the rest of the glows I have on my Netflix queue. I don't. I don't go to the movie. I still haven't seen Wonder Woman. What? I haven't seen Wonder Woman. I heard you. What? Uh, what about Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk? Are you interested? No. In oh, no. Why? I, I, I'm just. I, I. I'm. I'm done. I don't know. I don't like the movies. I, I watched. Uh, oh, what about um, Valerian and the City of? Uh, um, of a thousand planets, the the Luke Besson movie. Ooh, no, I worked with Luke Besson. Would never go see one of his movies Harry, in the theater. Carrie Delevingne. Um, I I'm excited. I I think I have just this whole soft spot for Luke Besson. His movies are just wonderfully terrible. Yeah, he's a jerk. Oh, just okay. so you know. All right, good good to know. <laughs> um, no, I'm just excited to listen to music and not pay attention to the news and real, you know. All right. Live live in the greatest time in human history. All right. All right. That's Gas good. is cheap and internet is plentiful. Okay, give good. give uh the listeners your summer jam before uh, before we go out. My summer jam? Yeah, it's summertime and mm-hmm. everybody has a jam for the summer. Oh, uh it's this new big boy song. Uh shit, is it in, in the south? Sing it. No, it does it Mick Jack. Mick Jack by Big Boy. All right. That's everybody. Listen that to should it. be on the everybody's summer jam list. Make you happy. Uh send in your summer jam. Um you know, something that's new that people should listen to. We'll talk about that next week. And uh we'll have an up get an update from Cassandra from her big meeting today. Or no, I don't know. Whatever. We'll do that the same shit we do every week. All right. We will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Hit that has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio.